Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. So I've got a, um, a Bible up here with me um, that is over 100 years old. And this Bible was recently given to me, um, and it is my great-grandfather's Bible. His name uh, was Harry, no, Henry, actually. My granddad's name was Harry. Uh, His name was Henry, and um, he was born in 1882, and he lived in a small village called Wilton um, in the UK. Uh, He married young, and he married this uh, lady up here called Mary. She's she's a bit of a looker, and um, they had uh, strong faith. She was actually a governess and uh, an artist as well. Um, They had three sons together, and um, sadly two of them passed away. And so only Harry, uh, who was my granddad, survived. Um, And then when Henry, though, was in his 20s, he was asked to fill in for his his pastor. Um, They were part of a Methodist church. And so um, Henry became a a, a preacher um, in the Methodist church, which was really awesome. And he was inspired by John Wesley as well, and who was known for traveling around the countryside preaching. And so um, Henry essentially followed in his footsteps, as my great-granddad, and actually we've got the next slide. And so that is him um, with his horse and cart. And so he would go around the churches um, in their district um, preaching. I don't know if he preached from his his horse and cart, but anyway, he he went around, he was known for his horse and cart, um, and bringing the gospel to the community. which is just so awesome. I only found this um, out, well, I found this out about a decade or so ago, and I was just so inspired to think of the legacy that's in my family uh, for ministry. And just this morning, um, I was reflecting on that proverb that says, do not um, remove ancient boundary stones. And I just kind of like honoured, I just felt, you know, I just really need to honour the things that my great-grandfather did and stood for, especially in this generation, where boundary stones are under threat, you know, anything goes, and tolerance is, you know, the greatest value in our society, just about. But God says, do not remove ancient boundary stones. And um, I was just... uh, one of those, I was, you know, my young adult, adult years, I became really gripped with uh, the, you know, what was the call and purpose of my life? What was central to God's heart for me? And, and this came out of a, um, an experience, really, where I'd turned up um, at a youth group one night as a 20-year-old, 20, 20 21-year-old, and I'd turned up at a youth group on a Saturday night to a, an event, a ball they were having, and I turned up drunk. And the, and the youth pastor met me at the, at the door, very good youth pastoring right there, and said, you shall not pass. And, and, um, and, I, and also said, uh, how are you? And I said, I'm crap, you know. And he said, come and talk to me after church tomorrow. Um, and he challenged me, you know, do you, is Jesus Lord of your life? And I said, no. Um, and then he challenged me to make him Lord of my life. And uh, like Lynn was saying this morning, to bring him into the center of everything, uh, where everything, and with Jesus as the center, everything around the outside is actually up for, um, you know, like it's, it's up to him. He, he calls the shots on our life when he's the center. 
And so I brought him into the centre and um, immediately felt like that day I had to change my life completely and I moved home from my flat, I packed up my work van and, and just, I'm getting out of this environment, I'm going to um, set my course. And so I did that and man, I never regret making Jesus Lord of my life. And if Jesus isn't your Lord of your life, then today is a good day to bring him in to the centre. Um, after that time, um, I, I was here, a year, I met Debbie not long after that, so that was another great reason to make Jesus Lord of my life. Um, and, yeah, and that's right, and Lynn said, you shall pass, and <laughs> in many ways. Um, I know, that has layers, that statement. Um, so, <laughs> like an onion. I went to Bible college after that for a year. I was, I was working at an art studio in Christchurch, incredible job um, as an artist. And then all that year, all I could think is I have, to, I have to go to Lifeway, which was a ministry training college for at least six months next year. And so I went up um, that year and I got really like inspired by discipleship. The thought of discipleship um, and knowing that I had to have a life that followed Jesus and pursued who Jesus was and outworked who Jesus was in me and through me. And there's, you know, someone once said, conversion gets you to heaven, but discipleship gets heaven to you. And there was a scripture from uh, Philippians 3 uh, that I want to share with you this morning. And it just wrecked me as a young adult. And I want to tell you, like, the world needs powerful, passionate young adults. So, uh, you know, you guys are the world changers. So just dream, dream big, dream with God in, in this season. And, and I would go every morning um, on Snell's Beach and, and just pray through this scripture from Philippians 3. <sighs> Sorry, emotions. Because I remember that being so important in my life story to put him first. And, and so this was uh, starting at verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained this or have uh, already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken a hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Everyone relate to that? Someone relate to 2020? Let's forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a prize <laughs> for each one of us to take a hold of. There's a destination. There's a target. And there's a call and a purpose for everyone's life who's in this room today. And I just want to bring three thoughts um, from this scripture, really to recalibrate our lives around at this time. Um, and it's interesting, the word recalibrate, I love this. The dictionary says to make small changes to an instrument so that it measures accurately. You know, uh, if your life was an instrument, God wants to bring a clear sound from your life by the small changes that we make in recalibrating our lives around who Christ says that we are. So I just want to remind someone here today that Christ is the security of your identity and he is the cornerstone to your call. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the author, author and perfecter of your faith. Faith. 
And, and if anyone who you know, knew Christ, it was Paul. And yet Paul starts this passage of Scripture. He says, I want to know Christ. Like he doesn't know Christ. But if you knew Christ, you would be like, Paul, you knew Christ. What are you talking about? You were knocked off your horse, you know, on the road uh, to Damascus to uh, by Jesus. You were blinded. You went to someone's house. You were blind for about three days. And then someone prayed for you. You got your sight back. You entered into a process of discipleship and then you saw people raised from the dead. You saw miracles. You saw, you know, uh, incredible things. You preached the word. People were saved. You were then stoned to death, uh, but you were raised from the dead. (laughs) And and you went to heaven as well, because that's in the word as well. He says, I know of a man who 14 years ago went to the third heaven, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So here Paul is humbly declaring that he's just getting started (laughs) in his desire to know Christ. He's, He's saying, I want to know Christ like I don't already know him. And for Paul, you know, the Christ of his past, the Christ of his salvation and of the miracles of the heaven, heaven's, you know, encounters was just like looking back on his old Instagram account. It was just like, well, that was Jesus then. He was great for me then. And I honor what happened then. But I want to know Christ today. I want to know him in my prison cell because that's where he was. You know, I, I want to know him in 2020. You know, I want to know him right now for where I'm positioned in this point in my life. I want to know that reality of who Jesus is. And come on, church, I believe that this is how we are to posture ourselves. You know, hopefully every day of our lives, you know, where anything is up for options for Jesus because he's the Lord and Savior. He's the King of Kings. And if he says something, we obey him. I want to know Christ. I want to know him in my marriage. I want to know him in my family as a, as a dad. I want to know him in my workplace. You know, I want to know him as a leader. I want to know him in every element of my life. I want to know him morally. You know, I want to know what is, what is he thinking about, you know, how I'm looking at life. I want to know Christ. Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says this, Using a dull axe requires great strength, so sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. As you can see, I've got a rather hefty, this is my woodcutting axe, really, in it. And it's good when it's sharp, uh, but it's painful when it's blunt. And, 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 you know, axes get blunt by hitting hard objects. And perhaps you've started swinging your axe at the start of 2020 and and maybe in the course of the year you've found that you've hit a few hard objects along the way. You've took a swing and it's been like clunk and some kind of relationship crisis happened for you. Maybe you, you perceived rejection around your life. Maybe... Maybe, uh, you know, you felt disconnected from, you know, your inner circle, your family, your, you know, those closest to you. It's just, it's felt like you've been in fragmented relationships this year. You know, that's a hard object to hit. That's an uncomfortable thing to face when relationships are breaking down around our lives. Perhaps you took another swing and clunk it. You, you hit some hard financial times. You're in business and suddenly, you know, you, you're used to making changes and initiating change and then suddenly change is initiated on you and you're the receiver of change and you've found yourself disorientated 
by change. And so maybe you're, you've had enough <laughs> this year. There's not much to go. We're not, there's not much time to hit any more hard objects this year. And maybe you feel like today you just want to hit somebody. <laughs> Don't. Um, just as a little bit of advice. <laughs> Remember, Jesus used a whip. Uh, no, don't use that either. It's terrible. <laughs> but you know, hard objects, they affect our edge. Um, Abraham Lincoln said this, and I've already used this quote this year because I, I just love it so much. He says, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. You know, Mr. Lincoln didn't, didn't go and look for softer trees. Now that he had a dull axe, he's just like, let's just lower the standard to how the condition of my axe. You know, I, 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 just give me some balsa wood. Uh, I can get that. I'll just bludgeon that, and we're all good. No, no he's like, I, I need to spend some time to bring back the sharpness to my cutting Edge. You know, Paul said this earlier in the book of Philippians in chapter 1, 15 to 18. He said, It is true that some pre- preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm here, um, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. However, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from, this is amazing, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice, and he says it again, and I will continue to rejoice. You know, there's something I just want to sit on here for a moment, because I believe that the church is in the hour where it could have its greatest moment in all of history. You know, there's never been so many people alive, for one thing, on, uh, on the planet. Uh, this, you can sense the spirit of revival stirring in the church, and that is really the Holy Spirit who waits in eager expectation for the sons of man to be revealed, Romans chapter 8. And, you know, there's anticipation... And yet when we look at the, the world stage of the, of the church, there's so much talk going on about the church. I want to encourage you in your life, whether that means something to you or to not. You know, that's okay if it doesn't, and, and that's cool. But I want to encourage you not to get caught up in slander or gossip about the condition of other people's axe heads. Like, don't waste your time gazing at other people's navels. Being suspicious about others. Don't get introspective on the navel of the church or anyone else's navel. Just mind your own navel. Mind, and, and, and we don't want to be a church that is just introspective. And I'm not, I'm like, but it is important to 
know our heart. The Bible says to guard our heart because out of it flow the issues of the heart. So we have to look in at the condition of our heart as well. But let's be a church. Let's be a people who celebrate one another. I love Paul, in, in, in the writing of this, he didn't even judge others publicly in the sense where he didn't name anyone. These guys were preachers. He didn't shame anyone. He just knew they had corrupt motives. And what did he do? He just, in his summary of this, was that he just was rejoicing that Christ was preached, <laughs> even with wrong motives. He just kept the focus on his edge. So I just want to propose before, you know, we just pick up that axe handle again and we start swinging again at 2021 is that we just take a good honest look at the condition of our axe head at our own axe head and engage in the process of restoration as required. You know, today is a good day to give Christ your cutting edge. And we can do that in so many ways. And, and I think of, you know, how as, as Christ partners with what we give him, there's always transformation. You know, Jesus wants to partner with your skills. Today is a good day to, to place your skills in his hand. And when we look at David, who took down Goliath, he was skilled with a slingshot. He went and picked up five smooth stones and he sent, you know, those stones at the giant's head. He took something that he was good at and he placed it in God's hands and he saw a great victory. I want to encourage you to place your faith in his hands. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is where there's the account of four friends or four people who became friends of a paralytic, a man on a mat. They tried to get to Jesus. They couldn't get to him. They go to the top of the building. They spend time deconstructing a hole in the roof. And they lower this man to Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, because of their faith, it is because of their faith, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Something powerful happened because of their faith. It's a, today's, a, today's a good day to place your faith in his hands again. Place your provision in his hands. You know, this, this little boy that placed his lunch into the hands of Jesus saw a crowd of 5,000 fed. You know, his kingdom is designed to flow through our lives. Place your hope again in his hands. I love Romans 5, 5, and it says, And hope does not um, put us to shame or disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Today is a good day to give Christ something to work with. What are you giving him to work with? Verse 13, Paul says, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Paul kept his focus forward. He remained secure as he recalibrated his identity and his future on Christ. And you may have some regrets from this year. You may have regrets from 20 years ago. And it's really easy to become weighted down and conscious of our past 
and what we can't do in our future because our past says you're disqualified. And we can replay mistakes on repeat in our minds, can't we? We can have arguments with people that we argued with, you know, four or five years ago. I want to remind you that the power of regret can be, become the thief of our purpose. The power of our regret can become the thief of our purpose. It can rob us from our future if we just keep ruminating on our regrets. And if we focus on our past, if we keep looking back, we become like Lot's wife. You know, she became, as she looked back to where she was leaving, she became a a frozen pillar of salt as she stared back at her former self. Second point of recalibration is that living in the past creates death in the present. So don't, I mean, yes, we can give, we can place our past into his hands. And the Bible says that he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He throws it into a sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that interesting? I pray sometimes, Jesus, help me forget like you forget. Help me forget, you know, our emotional, because we remember out of our emotions, don't we? And our emotional memory is actually stronger than our intellectual memory. And so we need to give those memories to Jesus. We need to give those regrets regrets to Jesus. But let's just get that grace of forgetfulness (laughs) as well. One of the um, keys for me this year... um, that I've continued to remind myself over the year is that no one in all of history has ever been this way before. No one's ever led churches through COVID. No one's led families through COVID before. You've never led your business or your family or your workplace. You've, you've gone into places where you've never been before. And I love, there's a scripture from Joshua 3 that I want to read to you shortly and and at this moment Joshua is actually empowering his officers his leaders are on the brink of going into the promised land and he's like get ready for unfamiliar territory and it says this in Joshua 3 verse 4 you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before he's like if you don't know the path well then you're on the right track Isn't that reassuring? (laughs) If it doesn't look like the familiar comfort place of your wilderness, you know, that's what he's saying to the Israelites, like, hey, don't go back, go go into the unfamiliar. If if it looks like there's a river in flood, because this was what they had to (laughs) cross over, you need to go there. If If it looks like there are giants in the land, you need to face them. If you need to, you know, Destroy a double-walled fortified city, yeah, that's your target. If it's unfamiliar, if it's scary, if it looks impenetrable, then let's attack. (laughs) You know, life requires us to go where we've never been before. Leadership requires us to go where we've never been before. Unfamiliar territory does not disqualify you. If it feels uncomfortable... That's all right. You've got Jesus you're traveling with. If it looks scary, that's okay. He is with you. 
You know, I was thinking this week um, that, you know, we're the first generation of parents that have parented children from zeros up in a culture that is completely saturated by technology. It's unfamiliar. What's too much? How do we do this? How do we put boundaries in? You know, and that can create so much tension in a home. But unfamiliar territory doesn't disqualify us. We have to experiment. We have to adapt. We have to ask for wisdom. We have to seek out the right path. And maybe it's been like unfamiliar territory in your business this year, whether it's been in your marriage, you've just, you know, you've like unfamiliar in your faith journey as a disciple of Jesus. Like this is just so unfamiliar. I want to tell you, you're going the right way if you're going with Christ today. You're going the right way. It's okay to lead where you've never gone before. I love how Joshua, he didn't pretend that he knew where he was going. <laughs> Did he? He's like, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> if it looks unfamiliar, you're going the right way. We need to be honest and vulnerable of, about our position, but we still need to step forward into new territory. The third point of recalibration today is to step into something new. We need to step out of something old. In verse 12, Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. I want to remind you here today that Christ has taken you a hold of your life for a great reason, for a great purpose, and do everything you can to discover that purpose and reason. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to, to minister to someone here this morning. He wants to give us back our edge. Come on. He doesn't want us to do life with a dull edge. He wants to define you, redefine you, make the most out of those. You know, when, when an axe hits something, there's a dent there. He wants to make your dent look good and bring shape and sharpness and purpose around, you know, the way that your life has been shaped. Nothing is wasted in this season. You know, it's time to take our vision from our past and step forward with Christ. You know, the first thing that needs to be done before an axe head is sharpened is that it has to be fixed in a secure location. Paul said, you know, I want to know Christ in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Now, I, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I mean, that sounds awesome. That sounds cool. Uh, resurrection power. You know, that's awesome. He didn't say, you know, I want to know Christ and, and, the, and the power of social media or the, the power of being positive or the power of my popularity. He, he was, I just want to know the rawness of resurrection power. I want that flooding through my life. And then he says, and I want to know Christ and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. And there's so much we could open up from this, but I just want to open up one thing. Because this is a powerful prayer from Paul. He's like, I want the foundation, call, purpose, and reason to be connected to what Christ is suffering over. I want to be connected to the things that he deeply cares about that He's passionate about. I want to be caused by the things that Christ is caused about. I don't want to just take the easy route and I don't want to just, you know, pretend the pain of our world is, is not there. I, do, I don't want to surround myself in cotton wool. I want to feel the rawness of your emotion 
in my life and I want that to propel me into my call and future. It's a brave prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. But he's saying, this is my starting point. This is why I want to do my life. I want to be connected to the call and the cause of Christ. So that's the, you know, in sharpening an axe head, we need to be secure in Christ. And I don't think we could really fool ourselves by saying, you know, I could be a, I could be a follower, a disciple of Christ, unless we're prepared to ask that kind of question about our life. Do I want to be connected with the same things that Jesus is suffering over? Ooh, we need to be secure in who Jesus is calling us and causing us to be. The second thing that is required to sharpen the axe head are the right tools. And one of the techniques to restore an axe head back to its former glory is whetstone and oil or water. And together, the, wet, uh, the, the oil or the water is just like right over the axe head. And so the stone can just kind of bring that abrasion and reshape the cutting edge. And these two elements speak to me of two things. The stone speaks to me about Christ being our rock about Christ, the Word of Christ, speaking into our lives, encouraging us, honing us, shaping us as we lean in and as we lean our lives in and our thinking in into who Christ says that we are. And the second thing, the water or the oil, that speaks of the Holy Spirit to me. Being there with Christ, the Word and the Spirit working together to bring restoration and renewal You know, the Holy Spirit is here this morning and He wants to work on our lives. He wants to work in us. He wants to lead us into all truth and shape us for, you know, not just this coming year, but to who we're called and caused to be. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening by following us on social media.